Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Hey, it's Monique. I hope all is well. Welcome to episode 61 of the Brown Vegan Podcast, where I love to share strategies on how to embrace a vegan lifestyle in a very practical way. And of course, I love to bring on guests to do the same thing. You can find out more about what I do and how I do it at brownvegan.com. And also be sure to follow me on social media. I am Brown Vegan everywhere. And that includes Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. So this week, I don't have a vegan tip of the week for you. Instead, I want you to check out the New York Times article that was put out on Wednesday about black veganism and what it looks like um, for us as a community. And I just think it's an amazing, amazing article. I've actually featured in there. I'm so excited because my face is like, as soon as you look at the article in the newspaper and on the website, I'm right there. So it's really cool to be able to get that mention and just to see all of the support that my fellow vegan sisters and brothers are getting in this movement. Because I feel like a lot of times we really don't get the spotlight. So it's good to be able to get some some love in mainstream media and just to see that we out here. People need to know we're out here doing this work. And that's actually one of the reasons I started this podcast. The main reason I started this podcast is because I wanted to see, because I wanted to share more stories and see more representation in the black community when it comes to veganism. Um, just make sure you check out the article. It, it is on the New York Times um, website. And I'll also make sure that I link it under episode 61 at brownvegan.com so that you can check it out too. But let me know what you think. You can tweet me and let me know what you think of the article. So today on the show, I have Tony from Plant Based on a Budget. A lot of times people say, well, I want to be vegan, but I think it may be too expensive. So Tony is going to break down how you can make this lifestyle simple, delicious, affordable, and not and not boring, right? Because sometimes people think that in order to save money, you have to eat the same thing every day. Tony's going to give some advice on how to make that more um, fun for you so that you're not bored. And also some pantry staples that will help you save some money and time, meal planning tips, of course. 
we also chat about um, the importance of community and how community really allowed Tony to be able to move forward in this journey instead of feeling like you have to do this by yourself. How it's so important to seek out other people who are like-minded so that you can make this happen, right? And finally, we talk about her experience on What the Health and how she um, was a part of that documentary and what it did for her business and brand after that. So, so important. So yeah, I'm just really excited to have Tony on the show. So without further ado, let's go ahead and jump right into the conversation with Tony from plantbasedonabudget.com. Thanks for being on the show, Tony. How are you today? I'm well. Thanks for having me. Of course. So as always, I want to find out why um, people who come on the show, how you decided to become a vegan and what year that was for you. I gave up beef 14 years ago and I became vegetarian 12 years ago. Uh, but it all started with the beef when I was still in high school, running track, going to Taco Bell every day because that's where people went to lunch and coming and running track and getting sick every single time. And my coach was like, why don't you stop eating fast food before track practice and then you won't get so sick? Then he also suggested that I stop eating red meat. And so I stopped eating red meat and didn't eat red meat for the the rest of my high school. And then when I was around 18 years old, I moved out of my family's house and started preparing my own food. And that's when I became a vegetarian. And it wasn't until about two years later that I was in a community college, I found a veg group. And the veg group provided me with so much support. There were all different types of people. Many were my age. Many were uh, putting themselves through community college. And it was a very diverse group. There were Mexican people and Vietnamese people and Black people and uh, Filipino people. And we were all used to eating our cultural foods. And it was nice that together we could say, okay, we can do this in a way that doesn't compromise what's tasty and what's familiar to us. And let's get together and try to cook the foods that we love, but plant-based. And that's when I started learning how to to cook plant-based. And together we all went uh, vegan. Community is everything, especially when you're getting started, because it can feel pretty lonely for sure. So how did you grow up eating? Like, how did that look? I grew up with my grandparents. My dad was in the Navy full time and uh, my grandparents raised me when when he was overseas. And it was a very mixed household. My grandpa's Japanese and my grandma's Mexican. And so their foods, when fused together, were really interesting. My grandma always had homemade tortillas and um, rice and beans. And then my grandpa always had like tofu and white rice and uh, fish and stuff like that. It was also interesting because they were retired and my grandparents grew all of their own food. Mm. So I had access to a lot of fresh food. But then when my dad came back, it was just me and my dad and my baby brother. And I switched from eating like that to eating food from a parent who doesn't doesn't (laughs) know how to cook anything. So we ate hamburger helper and chili from a can with hot dogs and uh, microwave pasta. Uh, So then the rest of my childhood into being a teenager, that's what I thought was was normal eating. And we didn't have a very diverse palate. We ate Mexican food, Chinese food, um, Italian food, but really only spaghetti. And that was it. And so I have a funny story of when I first started learning about vegetarian food. I had a friend who was vegetarian when I was in high school. And he invited me to a vegetarian restaurant. And I looked at the menu. It was a Vietnamese restaurant. I looked at the menu 
and didn't understand anything. I was like, soy, wheat, gluten, protein, blah, 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 just things I didn't know. And so the only thing I ordered was steamed white rice. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. I had only given up red meat and was not really interested in being a vegetarian yet. Didn't didn't sound appealing, didn't sound delicious. And uh, then I go to this vegetarian restaurant with him and he said, I'll order anything you want. Just pick something. You'll love it. And I got the steamed white rice. Oh my goodness. And then when his food came, you were probably like, okay, I could have <laughs> did better than yeah. that. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So you just had no, that's the issue with a lot of people. We think, okay, being a vegetarian, being vegan, you know, it's bland, it's boring, it's no flavor, no love put into this food. It's just kind of like, oh, you know, I guess the, the change for you is when you became a part of this community. Well, no, because you were already a vegetarian before you became a part of the community at school. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. I was a vegetarian for health reasons originally. And so I I do think it's really important to give the people who are becoming interested in veganism and vegetarianism for health reasons, the the love and care and compassion that you give to ethical vegans, because sometimes I go into Facebook groups or, or, or other online forums, and I see people like, vegan or nothing, forget plant based. But for me, I started I started this journey for health reasons. I wanted to be a better runner and a better athlete. And along the way, I became less defensive about hearing the stories of animal suffering Mm -hmm. because I was no longer participating in that anyway. I was able to hear it more clearly. And so then I I became um, an ethical vegetarian after I'd already been vegetarian for health reasons. And that's when I learned about what happens in the dairy and egg industries and decided I didn't want to support that. And I didn't want to support that, but it's so hard to do vegan when you don't know anyone vegan, when your family's not vegan, when your friends aren't vegan, when you don't have a lot of money and you think it might be expensive. And having that community really helped me understand that I could do it. I could do it. Yeah. And then you weren't, like you said before, you weren't sacrificing the flavor and all of the Mm -hmm. things that you were accustomed to growing up eating. So what were some of your favorite dishes when you started? Do you remember? Mm -hmm. I don't remember. But what happened was I started uh, doing this thing. Originally, it was my girlfriends. They would come over and then everyone started coming over. But it was a way for me to hang out with uh, two of my really good friends and they would come over every week on Wednesday and everyone would bring a different set of ingredients. So I would go to the library, check out a book, photocopy a recipe, text everyone the ingredients that I still needed. So say we're making pasta. I have noodles and sauce, but I don't have any vegetables. So can you bring the vegetables and then can you bring, um, stuff to make a dessert or something like that. And then we would cook together and watch a romantic comedy. Mm. So it was a great bonding experience. I really strongly believe in creating friendships and meaningful relationships over food. That was the the key to it all, like cooking with my friends and learning how to be plant-based through checking out books from the library. Yeah, that is so important because I think a lot of times um, we feel like we're going to lose that sense of community or uh, mm-hmm. that sense of like cooking and enjoying cooking when we become vegan because 
you know, um, it's so different from the way that most of us grew up eating. It's really, really important to be able to see that this lifestyle can work for you no matter what your situation is. It doesn't have to be, you know, this big sacrifice because I feel like that's what people see it as, right? And, you know, they see it as a sacrifice, not only as their taste buds, but also financially. And that's where yeah. you come in because you're like the expert when it comes to eating healthy and eating vegan <laughs> on a budget. So I know you keep referring to it as plant-based. Do you usually say plant-based or do you usually say vegan or does it matter to you? How do you identify? You know, it doesn't matter to me. Uh, I know that I am vegan for ethical reasons. And if being plant-based, being called plant-based makes someone else feel more comfortable with being introduced to food that is free of animal suffering, then so be it. You know, I use plant-based on a budget because I wanted to be conscious that not everyone starts for ethical reasons. And I asked my family a lot of questions when I first started plant-based on a budget. And one thing that they said was vegan reminds them of PETA demonstrating and throwing paint on people and uh, they just had a really negative association with the word. And my family was my target audience. Mm. I wanted them to to be comfortable in this space. So I decided, even though I was working for an animal, when I first started getting full on into plant-based on a budget, I was working for uh, animal place farm animal sanctuary. And uh, so even though I was creating ethical vegan content for one place, I was trying to create another space that was the first step in the realm of information on plant-based eating. Mm -hmm. You know, there are so many resources that talk about veganism and many of them aren't very friendly to people who are just veg curious. Yes. Yeah. So it was all about making it accessible and meeting people where they are. That's what it sounds like. Yes. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. And you make a very good point because I know um, I actually grew up near PETA. <laughs> so I have some interesting stories and things that I would see growing up near PETA. And I used to feel the same way about veganism. I was like, there is no way in hell I would ever be a vegan because they're crazy. Mm -hmm. And yep, so, yep, yep. yeah, it does. Unfortunately, that word, the V word <laughs> does have some uh, negative connotation. Like people are like, oh, yeah, you know, so I think I love the idea of making it plant-based and accessible to people for sure. So if someone is just getting started um, and they want to decide, you know, they're like looking at things. And I love that you said this year, the first step, because it's just such a loving way to look at it. I love that. Um, it's non-judgmental and it just kind of meets people, like I said, where they are. If someone is just getting started, do they have to shop at Whole Foods or, you know, a, a, you know, a fancy health food store, anything like that to be vegan? Or what, what, what are your views on that? Uh, yes, this is how it all started. I remember my family was suffering from diet-related health issues, and I suggested that they begin eating more plant-based options. And they said, I can't afford your fancy food. And they thought that I shopped at the co-op and at Whole Foods. And in reality, I was just uh, living on a very small, small, small hourly wage part-time and could not afford fancy food, Whole Foods, co-op or anything like that. So uh, that's how I started plant-based on a budget was finding conventional grocery store food and making it familiar and tasty, saying that you don't have to shop at those. So you, 
um, stores. You can still shop at the grocery stores you shop at now and maybe even find cheaper options if you if you have um, others available to you. So for example, the, the store closest to me is a Raley's. That's not the cheapest option in my neighborhood. I have on the other side of um, maybe like one mile away, I have a Mexican grocery store and that's much cheaper than Whole Foods. So I'm sorry, Raley's uh, and Whole Foods, but to explore your explore your neighborhood, explore the other options. There's a grocery store I shop that's a big warehouse type grocery store and people just pass it by because they think, oh, that's not going to have any plant-based food for me. But that's where I get the best deals. Is it like a BJ's Costco kind of place? What is, what is the store? It's, it's called Winco uh-huh. and Winco is all over the West Coast and it's a big 24-hour grocery store warehouse and it's not in bulk in the style of Costco, but they do have like six bulk bin rows where you can buy your nutritional yeast, your nuts and your seeds and your rice and your beans and not at Routes cost or at Whole Foods cost or co-op cost, but I get rice for like 40 cents a pound. Mm. I get beans for 60 cents a pound. So it's about making it work for what you have based on where you are. Period. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what would be on a typical grocery list for you um, to make it affordable? Like what what are some of the main, I guess, staple items that would be on your list or what you should have in your pantry so that you can save money? I recommend oats. I recommend rice, beans. And I do I do brown rice, but white rice is cheaper if, if you really don't have any money. I recommend quinoa if you can afford it. Lentils are cheap. Split peas are the, are one of the cheapest in the bulk bins. And you can do so many different things with those in all kinds of variations. And then I buy produce that's in season. So if you have a farmer's market near you, there are lots of ways you can get deals. Like you can come at the end of the farmer's market and ask them if they have anything that they want to barter on. Or I'm not barter, but um, ask you can ask them for a discount because oftentimes they don't want to take all their produce home and they also find some that is imperfect. So those are better deals. And you can also do the same at the grocery store. So having those pantry staples like rice and beans, you can do Indian food, you can do Mexican food, you can do all types of different things, soups and yeah. Yeah, that's so true. I definitely agree with the farmer's market. I've done that before where I go at the end because just like you're saying, they do not want to take all that stuff back home, especially if it's one of the farmer's markets that's only available on the weekends. So on like a Sunday, they close at like six. You can go there like five and you can really get a good deal if you go at that last hour. I definitely agree with that. My farmer's market, the um, the one that's a weekly, they do this thing where every 25 pounds of fruit is $5 after 12 p.m. Mm. So it closes at 12 p.m. And so you can get 25 pounds of fruit for $5. They put them in boxes. They fill up boxes. And that is just such a steal. You can freeze it for smoothies for the rest of the month. You can bake it to dehydrate. Yeah. Or give it away too. You can give that away to or your give neighbors, it away, yeah. family. Yeah, 25 pounds. <laughs> I was making everybody peach pies. <laughs> right. <laughs> Make it work. Okay. Let's talk about this because I know when you said beans and rice and oats and things like that, that is 
after a while, it sounds like even if you're cooking it different ways, it doesn't really sound like there's a whole lot of variety if you're trying to keep things affordable. So what do you do as far as um, meal planning to add some variety? Because I feel like sometimes that is a concern for a lot of people who are just getting started. They're like, I don't want to eat the same thing every day. Yes. Uh, So when people talk about meal planning for the week, often they do one big batch of something on their day off and then they eat it all week and then they hate that thing when the week is over. Like they (laughs) made this big batch of soup and now they hate soup at the end of the week because they ate a breakfast, lunch and dinner for seven days. (laughs) Right. Uh, But I do uh, meal plans with Michelle Kane, and uh, there there are some free ones on plantbasedonabudget.com, and then there are some $5 meal plans on plantbasedmealplan.com. And what I did was I did four entrees, and you eat those every day. You'll eat each entree three times. That was a way I found you don't get tired of eating the same thing, and a lot of it is You cook it at the same time, and then you can split the vegetables here and there. So, for example, when I I cook for myself, I will cook a big, giant batch of vegetables, and then I'll figure out different ways to use them in different meals. So I'll put half of those uh, sautéed veggies with rice and tofu and peanut sauce. And then for the rest of the veggies, I'll do uh, an enchilada casserole and I'll just add some enchilada sauce and some um, wrapped in tortillas. Um, And then I'll do the rest in a pasta dish so that I'm I'm not tired of eating them. And the workload is smaller throughout the week. Yeah. So just spending that time bashing cooking. Yeah. I did the same things with like, you know, chili. So I'll bake a big thing of chili. And then the first night we'll maybe we'll have it with rice. And then the second night we'll have it with like nachos or something like that. Like to spread it out. It's kind of like remixing your your leftovers Mm -hmm. so that you're not eating the same thing. And you're absolutely right. If you're meal prepping and batch cooking on like a Sunday and you're eating the same thing all week, that is just not cool. Especially if you have a family, no one's doing this. You can't get away with that. So I totally agree with making it work that way. Why do you think that there's such a big misconception about veganism being so expensive? I think that when people try to be uh, plant-based at first, they go and they do research on Instagram and on Pinterest and on organizations' websites. And often they see transitional foods, uh, foods that are specialty products. And that seems expensive. And so they have this in their mind that plant-based eating is expensive. Veganism is expensive because that's what they see us promoting, mostly uh, specialty products. So true. Yeah. Because I mean, if I get, you know, get some field roast sausage or something like that, it's like $6. And even though I, because I've been a vegan for a while, I know how to stretch that. Like it's four big links and I know how to make that stretch in our family's meals. I can understand why someone who is brand new would feel like they have to eat those type of things in order to be vegan. And yeah, it's unfortunately, it's not cheap, but I would recommend if you want to eat it, you can, you know, put it on your meal plan, like once a week kind of thing, but it shouldn't be like the basis of all of your meals because it is pricey if you do that. Yeah. And a lot of people, they come into to plant-based eating with a mostly plant-based lifestyle. Like they're transitioning into it. They're, uh, not a lot of people I know uh, through plant-based on a budget are 
are saying, okay, today's the day, no more. Like they slip up sometimes, they eat food that's free occasionally. Uh, and when you still have meat products or dairy products that are a lot cheaper than those specialty products, you think, gosh, that's really expensive. Like I can buy this um, pack of hot dogs for 99 cents or I can buy these smart dogs for $4. Oh, smart dogs are good. <laughs> Those aren't good for $4 either. <laughs> but you know, another thing too, another issue is that unfortunately the vegan companies aren't subsidized as heavily as the dairy exactly. and the meat yeah, industries. Definitely. Yeah. And there's not enough people buying it too. So that's another reason why. So if there were more people buying it and we were subsidized a little better, then these products would be more affordable, which is why I love that it's becoming more accessible. Like when I go to a regular grocery store, I'm seeing a lot of those products in there, which is really helpful for people because they do kind of want some of those, you know, things that taste familiar. So it's all about having variety, you know, (laughs) figuring out what works for you. Interesting too, because what I've seen, on the internet a lot is when a company purchases is purchased by a big not vegan friendly or parent company then vegans are like i'm never buying this product again but often what makes what makes those products more accessible and found in in walmart and target and in stores everyone shops in are those purchases, like are those big purchases from parent companies of the smaller vegan companies. Yeah. We live in a society, the capitalist society is all about money. And if the money is being driven in that direction and it makes it easy for other people to, the everyday person to eat more vegan options, I'm all for it. I don't really care how they do it as long as they do it. Mm-hmm. That's my mm-hmm. position on it. So we already know, of course, that buying a lot of the vegan replacements isn't something that should be on your your meal plan all week. So what tips do you have for someone who wants to make this lifestyle outside? Because I know you have the meal plans on your website and I'll definitely make sure that I link that. Your your paid meal plan is $5 and it is like so good. (laughs) Thank you. You're welcome. You have like four of them now, right? Yeah, we have one one month's worth and then because so many people in our support group were asking about snacks, we did a snack meal plan. So that's a companion meal plan. And then uh, we also are coming out with a dessert one. So all of the snacks... are under five dollars, mm-hmm. and it's just to make. And this what twenty five dollars a week is what the yep. budget is twenty five dollars mm-hmm. a week. And this is for two people. How many people is that? One. How many people? It's one, but many people said they fed their spouse with it for two people. With okay, a, yeah. So for two people. So give us an idea of some of the the meals that are in the meal plan. I know you have four of them, but which one? I guess give me an exact example of you know a meal or two that would be included. I didn't have a lot of feedback and I was just doing it kind of on what I eat. And so it was oats in the morning um, and then a big salad with chickpeas and different types of vegetables in there for lunch one day. And then um, dinner would be something like a shepherd's pie or something like that. And then um, over time, I got a lot of feedback on what people liked and what people didn't like. And so I took their feedback in the next few and changed it so that people didn't eat oats every day because I'm okay (laughs) eating oats every day. Even I was like, well, this day has bananas and this day has blueberries. So it's obviously different. (laughs) But then to them is like, no, this is still oats. (laughs) Yes. This is still oatmeal. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. So then I started going with smoothies and then I did um, 
Michelle and I tried to do um, sweet potato toast where you thinly slice sweet potatoes, bake it for 20 minutes or until tender, and then you can top it with different things. And that has been my favorite for, of all of the breakfasts. It's uh, just a sweet potato baked. And then my favorite one was a mashed banana with cinnamon on it. Um, that's what would be on top of the sweet potato. And that has been a big success. And you could also do, if you wanted to do savory, um, like here in California, avocados are 50 cents. Oh, uh, I'm jealous. Cents a dollar. Uh, so if you live in a place where they're not $4, <laughs> then you could top it with avocado. And that's really good too. A lot of people say that they struggle with like breakfast. I'm glad that you guys have the snack one because people talk about that to me a lot as, as well, snacks and breakfast. I'm one of those people that think that you can get, I'm kind of like you, even though I'm not necessarily the biggest oatmeal fan, I do believe that with breakfast, if you want to save money, you should probably eat like the same two or three meals all week and plus Mm -hmm. I feel like breakfast is one of those areas where it's kind of like you're usually on the go for that so don't you know spend so much time worrying about it focus on like dinner and lunch and stuff like that so what are your views on saving money on you know just breakfast or just meals in general like what are some of your I guess your best tips for saving money and budgeting uh when I go meal planning it is a process and sometimes I just get so stressed out. So I understand the struggle. I'm When I'm planning, I'm planning for people I don't know. And I don't really, I don't have that, like I have to be aware of the struggles that everyone may have. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe their grocery store isn't as friendly, uh, um, good quality produce. Maybe they don't have a bulk bin. And so I have to look at the prices both in the bulk bins and in the bagged beans or the um, recipes I have to make. If they have greens, I have to say, okay, well, would they be okay if their store doesn't have kale and they only have spinach? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I have to be conscious of everything and I try to make everything really uh, flexible so that people can easily swap things out and I give them alternatives. So I say, if you don't have this, you can swap it with this. Or if you have this, this would taste good in it too. And um, I feel like that is the best way to cook, uh, to be very flexible and to look at recipes if you're using recipes with not, this is the concrete way of doing it, but this is a template and I can be creative based on what I have. And so if you don't have this spice, maybe try a different spice. And that stuff comes with time and yeah, with practice. Mm-hmm. But um, just trying out swapping different greens if you have them or swapping out different beans if you have them. So whatever's so in season, it would help too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. whatever's season and using what you already have and planning around that. I know a lot of people will have a fridge with groceries in it, but then see a recipe and think, oh, that looks good. And then they go out and buy everything on that recipe list instead of using what they have in the refrigerator. Mm -hmm. Uh, So using what you have. And when I started meal planning, I have uh, very little shame. I come with a calculator, with measuring cups, like measure out the food that I'm going to eat for the week. And it's kind of a process. And if you are tight tight, tight on money, I recommend doing that so that you're only purchasing what you need and not what may be what may go bad in your refrigerator. Mm-hmm. And uh, I recommend keeping frozen produce on hand because a lot of people 
have good intentions with eating fresh food, but they don't have the time or the energy to cook it fast enough, and so it goes bad. And if it's just going to go bad and be wasteful, then it's better to have all of the frozen produce. Oh, that's a really good tip. I agree with that. I used when I first went vegan, I used to I wanted everything to be like so fresh and, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it's been years now, so I'm over that. But in the beginning I was like that and so I would waste even though, you know, we have a larger family, I still would waste produce and I, it was so frustrating and then finally I said, "You know what? I'm going to start buying, you know, frozen fruit for smoothies and I'm going to start buying frozen broccoli for stir fries and not feeling like I have to you know, have those things available. So I think that's a really, really good point. Just, you know, figuring out what works best for you. Even if like half of your produce are fresh and the other half are frozen, it still will, you know, save you money long term, I feel like too. I agree with that. Um, you can do your research on this, but knowing what will last longer and buying that produce, oh, yeah. I'm sorry, pr- produce fresh, like um, cabbages, they seem to last me forever. Red cabbage, Mm -hmm. uh, super cheap. Dr. Greger said that that's the biggest bang for your buck in terms of nutrition and antioxidants. Uh, It's I just bought one for 69 cents a pound, and it was less than a pound. And that will that can go in stir fries and soups, and uh, it lasts forever. So I would get that and Mm. then spend money on frozen broccoli or frozen peas or frozen berries. Yeah. So before we wrap up, Tony, I want to know what tips do you have? I know we talked a lot of, of, of course, about budgeting and just like saving money on a vegan journey. But what tips do you have for someone who is just getting started? I know that you are the first step of vegan life, which is a, a really good first step because I love how accessible you are and how you really do meet people where they are. So what tips do you have? Even it's just a few tips about how to get started um, as a new vegan. So I recommend finding community first. I knew you were going to say that. It's really important. And I really think it makes a difference if you want to set yourself up for success long term. Uh, having a friend who's a vegetarian, even virtually, helps you. Uh, if you if you don't know any vegetarians or vegans, uh, it's incredibly helpful. So I recommend joining a support group online. There are lots of different Facebook groups, something for everyone. If you want to be um, budget conscious, if you're gluten free, if you're looking for soy free recipes, there's something for everyone on Facebook uh, in terms of a group. And then I recommend not beating yourself up. A lot of people I see, I run a couple support groups and a lot of people are like, you know, I, I tried this. It didn't work. I, I had this luncheon at work and they, they fed me meat and so it didn't work out. Uh, but to them, I say, no, keep going. You, you had this experience where you ate animal products even though you didn't want to, but that doesn't mean you have to stop forever. Like you can continue going I'm not going to judge you. People in my groups aren't going to judge you. So that is something that I I wish that people didn't think about themselves. Like I tried it and then I traveled and then I ate animal products. But now you're back. Continue eat, continue eating plant-based. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not all or nothing. And uh, I know a lot of people who they tried it and then they stopped for a year and then they came back. Like they were like, I'm going to try this again. And then they stuck to it for life. So just because you tried and failed one time doesn't mean that you should stop forever. I agree. Yep. Yep. 
And also, I forgot to mention this. You were in What the Health. How was that experience? Oh, my goodness. I forgot about oh. that just now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it was really... Okay, so they interviewed me kind of a long time ago. I was one of their first interviews, I think. And they live... Well, Keegan lives in my area, and I, I've known Keegan for a while. And he sent me an email and they didn't even have a name for their film yet. And he was like, Hey, we're doing this, this movie. It's about health. Uh, can we video you and Kip going through the grocery store? And so, um, I went, I, I did it with them and then I didn't hear about it for a year. <laughs> I, I, kind <laughs> of forgot, I, I kind of forgot about it. <laughs> and then I bumped into Kip at a conference and he was like, be ready. You know, just be ready. And I was like, yeah, okay, I don't know what that even means, but I <laughs> guess I'll be ready. And so I went to the premiere in March. And that's a cool story. I went to the premiere with in March. And I went with my cousin and her husband because they were housing me. I bought them tickets and they went solely to support me. And they were not interested in vegetarianism or veganism. They had not had not even been on their radar, but they watched the film, literally went home and threw their food away, their, oh. their non-vegan food in the garbage. The next day they went to the grocery store, bought tons of plant-based options. And I just got a text message from her last weekend saying, still going strong. Nice. So yes. it was... It was a very powerful experience for them. And so fast forward to June, it gets put on Netflix. And I think this is what Kip meant by be ready. But it crashed my server. There were so many people on my website after it launched on Netflix that it broke my server. So my website went completely down because too many people were trying to access it. Wow. Since then, it's been pretty amazing to hear all of the stories that people because now it's been a few months since they watched it and um the transformations that people have made in their health because they were inspired by what the health have been amazing to hear yes 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 i know i, I just when i saw you and i was like i know her <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah it was, there. <laughs> that's so dope that you were able to because like i said i love that you're the first step i love that you you just like i said meet people where they are and make it accessible so that's like super important because um there is a lot of you know misconceptions about this lifestyle being super expensive, but it's all about you know planning and making sure that you um have the right options already in your pantry so that you can save some time and money for sure. So I love that. One thing I thank you. One thing I learned through that, what the health experience is how two different things uh, that it made me see more clearly. One, there are so many people who just don't know how to cook anything. Yeah. Nothing. Like they don't cook at all. It's not that they, they only eat poorly it's just that they just don't cook so pe people would look at my recipes and they would say what does dice mean like what how do you dice an onion or what does minced garlic mean and so I would have to say well, okay well this is how you dice an onion or uh, they would say can I still um, can I shop at, at Safeway and be plant-based 
And I would say, yes, you, you can. It made me have to reframe the way I think and, and remember that not everyone is starting from this place of basic cooking skills or basic understanding of what plant-based means or what even healthier eating uh, means. And then the second thing it made me realize was how insensitive people can be on the internet because there were people who were just finding out about this information and then they would say, they would ask a question and people would be like, huh, that's a stupid question. I can't oh. believe you don't know. I don't, can't believe you don't know how to dice an onion. And uh, like, are you serious? You don't know how to dice an onion? Uh, and so it just, like, it, my wish is that vegans were nicer on the internet. Yes. And especially lately, I've been on my computer a lot and probably too much on Facebook, but questions and the, like, okay, so there's this, website, I'm sorry, Facebook group called What Broke Vegans Eat, mm -hmm. Wear and Use or something like that. And someone wrote, I, I think their message was supposed to be, there are no excuses for not being vegan. If mm -hmm. you're poor, sell your car, or, or, something like ride your bike to the grocery store. It doesn't matter. Like you can do it. That insensitive mentality is rampant in the vegan community where it's it's insensitive it's not compassionate and it's not it's not what i would like to see more of uh, yes. lot, what i'd like to see a lot less of a lot of compassion for animals and not enough for people is what i notice unfortunately yeah it's, yeah it's very strange like i wonder what that's like for you as a mother when there aren't a lot of like you're raising your kids in a certain way and they're with compassion for everyone. And then you're part of this community, which doesn't have compassion for mm. everyone. <laughs> well, for me is uh, one thing I know we talked about the importance of community and Facebook groups earlier, but for me, I noticed that I don't really, I'm a part of some of them, but most of the time I don't even see them because I have it like, um, like hidden. So I don't mm -hmm. even see a lot of the dialogue because I felt like a lot of them were toxic, to be honest. Um, Nothing is ever good enough for That's most of those groups, unfortunately. You know, it's like, it's not healthy enough. It's not vegan enough. It's not, this is not that. It's just so much back and forth on there that it's just, to me personally, I, I don't participate in things like that. I like to laugh a lot and I don't have time to be in there dealing with people's nonsense. So personally, yeah. I don't really partake in it. I actually prefer like meetup groups more. So like meetup.com, places like, you know, where you can meet people in mm -hmm. person and stuff. It's usually a, a better experience than um facebook groups in my opinion but i know that they help a lot of people so i don't i try not to talk, talk too much about them only reason i'm saying this because you brought it up <laughs> but yeah. yeah it's like you gotta find the right one i will say that because there's some of them that are pretty good and but overall unfortunately most of them are just like ugh, a mess yeah i i totally agree with you i totally agree with you i i so i as I mentioned, I have two of them. One I run with Michelle and then one is the plant-based on a budget support group. And I actually today went in and said, thank you guys for creating such a supportive community because there have been times I've, I'm watching and waiting for someone to say something negative to someone who is being vulnerable and saying, you know, I am considering eating animal products again because this is so hard for me. And instead, I always see them say, you know what, it's, it's okay. We all feel that, but just take it one day at a time. Keep keep eating plant-based 
and you'll be healthier and think about your kids and, and, and here's they're an alternative for you. <laughs> here's a yeah, solution. Here's yeah. Exactly. And so those things make me so oh, I'm getting chills just thinking about it because uh that's that's what we need in the world. Yes, like so we do need that. Absolutely. I love that. And it's so true. Thank you for being one of them. Oh yeah, I'm trying to try it. Thanks, Tony. <laughs> It's just like, you gotta, you gotta spread love, not hate, right? <laughs> so before we wrap up, tell us about your book and where we can find you on social media and your website too. Thank you. Uh, so I have a book called The Super Easy Vegan Slow Cooker Cookbook, which is kind of a mouthful, but um, it's all about eating slow cooked food uh, that was prepped in 15 minutes or less. So you just chop your stuff up, throw it in the slow cooker, cook it for eight hours while you're at work. And then when you're done, you have a meal. And that's different because a lot of other slow cooker cookbooks, they, they say like, within one hour, um, check it and then add this ingredient and then close the lid. And then two hours later, add this ingredient. And so this was just a way for really super busy people to not have to go home and check their crock pot at lunchtime and just one swoop of of your hand of the veggies into the pot and then you're done. Mm -hmm. So that's on Amazon. And then on social media, I'm at plant based on a budget everywhere, but Twitter where I am plant based blog. I'll make sure that I include all of the links for Tony's social media and her book and also the meal plans at brownvegan.com under this blog post. Tony, it was such a pleasure having you on the show. I'm so glad that Paul connected us. Thank you so, so much for being on. Thank you for having me, Monique. Again, I love what you do. I love how much positivity you have and how accessible you make everything seem and the guests that you have. And yeah, so just thank you for everything you do. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the show. If you enjoyed it, be sure to rate the podcast five stars on iTunes. Also, don't forget to get all of the show notes and resources we mentioned at brownvegan.com. Thanks so much for listening and I'll talk to you next week. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.